Welcome to the God-Centered Recovery Podcast brought to you by Narrowgate Ministries. This podcast is dedicated to giving you a God-centered approach to recovery and to life. Follow along. Let's get started. All right, men, welcome back to the God-Centered Men's Recovery Show. I am your host, Tim Holloway, and I am glad to be back at you again. Hey, this is a show for Christian men inside of recovery to live an awesome spirit-filled life. Uh, If you stumbled upon this show and you have a desire for discipleship and a recovery that is thriving, uh, you definitely come to the right place, and I'm glad that you're here. So we're going to jump into our quote of the day. It says, addiction is the disease that makes you too selfish to see the havoc you created or care about the people whose life you have shattered. Oh man, this is a this is a quote where we just got to uh, sit down and really ponder and really think about it. Uh, you know, it's quite convicting, and that is this: that um, addiction is very selfish, right? That when it is uh, manifesting inside of our lives, we are walking in extreme selfishness, and we are hurting a lot of people. And this this selfishness reigns through every single area of our life. As you know, in this uh, show, we talk about our frame. That is our family, faith, fitness, and finances. And what selfishness does in each side of those areas of life begins to focus on me, 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 me. And what's in it for me? And so they come inside of a marriage uh, if you're addicted uh, in a very selfish manner. And what can you get? Um, you know, pornography and things like that. These are um, these are addictions that are most selfish in, in, in nature because we're seeking to gratify the flesh. We're seeking to please ourselves. Now, we don't come, you know, inside of intimacy with the desire to please the other person. And those those are very, very detrimental mindsets. But we take this selfishness and, and we run uh, with it and it affects every single area of our life. Uh, it affects our finances. It affects our mental paradigms, our our mental health. Uh, it affects our body, and most uh, devastating is the effect that it has on other people. Now, if you're a father and you're inside of this addiction, uh, you can guarantee that it's affecting your kids in some way or fashion. Uh, if you're a husband inside of your addiction, you can guarantee that it's affecting your wife, and your household, and your family. And a lot of times we don't see the devastating effects because here's, here's what we do. The reality is, is that we correlate this addiction as pleasure. You know, it, uh, it triggers all the things inside of our brain, all the pleasure responses. And, and we're under the delusion that addiction brings pleasure. Uh, when in fact, the selfishness that, uh, that is reigning inside of our hearts and our lives, it's bringing a lot of pain. And uh, the deception is, of course, is that we may, we may not see the pain that it's causing. Uh, for example, if you're addicted to pornography and you're keeping it a secret from your wife, um, you, you don't really see the pain that it's causing, but it's definitely progressive and it's deteriorating your uh, connection, your intimacy, your communication, your vulnerability, your honesty. And it erodes at that just little by little until um, until it will destroy the relationship in the long run. And so we got to make sure that uh, that we understand the the true effects of addiction and come out of that selfish way of thinking. 
and begin to, to grow inside of that. Next, we're going into the recovery question of the day. What made you want to get sober? Oh man, this is a, this is a good question. I appreciate that. So it was a couple different things, you know, for me, um, coming out of a failed marriage and, um, starting my life over again, um, there were certain habits that I began to start to do, uh, which was, uh, going to the gym, uh, quitting smoking, uh, focusing on becoming the best man I, I possibly could be, uh, shrinking down my, my drinking habit to, uh, a more manageable state, um, so I was still drinking on the weekends and, you know, I was challenged. I was challenged by a book that I read. Uh, uh, it was about the sober entrepreneur. If you haven't read it, I, make a, I recommend you going to read it. It's from Russ Perry. But I was reading the book and uh, looking at my life and really beginning to think like, how much is alcohol really benefiting me? Uh, what kind of uh, what kind of benefit am I getting this? Uh, you know, and at this point in time, I wasn't drinking too much, but when I did drink, I did get drunk. And when uh, after I was drunk, I did have um, uh, withdrawals and 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 feeling terrible for for a couple of days, and and it wasn't uh, uh, an easy experience. So. You know, what made me want to get sober was looking at that situation and say, you know, how beneficial is this to my life anymore? Is this benefiting me? Is this serving me? Am, am I becoming uh, who I want to be um, with this substance? And then, of course, if I remove this substance from my life, can I be more active? Um, can I produce more quality things inside of my life? And can I thrive more? So these are the questions that I was asking myself <clears throat> and looking at it and saying, you know what? I don't even really need this anymore. And that uh, my life would be far better off and I would accomplish more and do more and create more uh, intimacy uh, with my wife, uh, create more health for my body, create more money in my bank account <clears throat> if I set this thing aside. And so that was the main decision for me is looking at it and saying, you know what, this is not benefiting me in any way any longer. I'm going to set this down. And so that's uh, what began to happen in my life. And it, it was a great positive choice. And I look back and I look at that and what I've created since then and who I've become since that moment and the life that I have now. And I could tell you that it was a wonderful decision. And it brought a lot of powerful, powerful uh, results inside of that. So <clears throat> we're moving on to our topic. We are talking about uh, Proverbs chapter 1, verse 2. And we are talking about knowing instruction. And we got pretty far uh, yesterday. And uh, we're going to get even farther today. But uh, we're talking about correction and our need to be corrected. Now, corrected by its definition means to bring in conformity to a standard. And what that communicates to me is that there are often times that I'm out of conformity to the standard, to the will of God, to what God wants in my life. And that oftentimes I go out of conformity with that. And that is I choose for whatever reason not to align myself with those principles or not to align myself with the spirit of God that has operated in my life. That's true. That's fact that I fail. And so that being said, then I need to be course corrected. 
And it's much like, um, you know, directions on a map. If you ever use the map app on your phone, uh, you realize that if you make a wrong turn, it'll remap uh, another direction to get you to your destination. And this is the way that I feel like the Spirit of God works in my life. And I think it's really important to, to accept that analogy and to begin to walk it out in life because this is the way God operates. And that is if we find ourselves going the wrong direction, in a direction that is not beneficial for us, and that is not going to lead us to our destination, then it uh, it would behoove us to uh, um, to begin to get a course correction and get back on track. Now, we look at the correction of God a lot of times as a very negative fashion, is that God is somehow punishing us. Not understanding that if we were, if our child was, of course, uh, about to head off a cliff, uh, wouldn't we want to intervene, uh, create some intervention? Wouldn't we want to correct and most of all, course correct so the same action doesn't continue so they don't go off the mountain? And this is the way God works in our life. And we are like rebellious children. And that we get into a lot of things that are very detrimental for us, and they're going to cause us to go down a path that we don't really want to go. And so that being said, God takes upon this uh, uh, role to course correct us. So he brings the correction. Think about this for a moment, um, the Titanic. And... Um, all the warnings that the Titanic received about uh, icebergs that were ahead. And if you've seen the movie and you know a little bit about the story, they included some really truth moments inside of the movie, and that is that uh, the captain was warned about the icebergs, but um, instead they went full speed ahead. And that is instead of heeding the warnings, instead of receiving the course correction, uh, instead of understanding that there is danger ahead, um, they disregarded those uh, admonitions and they went full speed ahead to the detriment of thousands of lives, right? And so I tell that story to say that is a parable of our life. That is a parable of addiction, and that is we are much like the captain of the ship. And we receive multiple different warnings about these icebergs that are head, right? And we disregard the messages and we refuse to course correct. And we stubbornly say, you know, we got this. We're in control. We, you know, we, we know where we're going. That will never happen to me. You know, all these things that, that cause us to go full speed ahead, headlong into our own destruction. And this uh, analogy has played out inside of our frame in multiple different ways. You know, we think that there's not danger ahead, you know, inside of our marriage when we're continuing in these addictions and uh, that everything's going to be okay. That's, that's, the, that's the analogy. Everything's going to be okay. Uh, this will never happen to me. And the illusion is, is that we can handle sin and that we, it appears that we are. And many times we handle this. We got this. It's okay. It's not going to end up in, in destruction like everybody else. 
and we fail to really heed the warnings of how hot the coal is that we're putting in our pocket. And that is the Bible says that we can't put hot coal in our pocket without being burned. And this is the the effects and the consequences of sin. It, it, it is powerful and it, it is going to burn and it is going to cost you something. Uh, it's not there to bring you a whole bunch of pleasure without any pain. Um, and the delusion, of course, is that we're feeling pleasure, but understand and know that the pain is coming. So it's looking at our lives and saying, where has this titanic mindset played out, you know, inside of the different areas of our life? You know, it can play out in our, our physical body. We get um, warnings and admonitions from the doctor, right, that we need to eat healthier. and We stop, We need to stop eating these foods and we need to eat these foods. And, and it goes in one ear and out the other. And we say, you know what, uh, we got this. I got this. You know, um, this is not going to happen to me. And of course, we go headlong into um, into some physical destruction that begins to destroy our bodies because we refuse to listen. This plays out in a side of our financial life that uh, we think that uh, um, you know we don't need to make any preparation that we don't need to have months of income on hand for for rainy days and and for for situations that come upon this world that are beyond our control and 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 we go headlong in spending and we don't live below our means and all of a sudden financial disaster comes and what happens um, we don't have any money because we're living month to month we're living paycheck to paycheck and we haven't lived below our means and we haven't snatched money away and so then this destruction comes upon our life, financial life, and we're just bewildered, right? And the same thing is true for our spiritual life. We, we, we get into things of neglect. And that is, you know, we're, we're told by people, man, get in the word, get connected with brothers, you know, uh, get accountability, get connection, get community, get all of these things. And, uh, you know, it goes in one ear and out the other. And we failed to heed all those things until we are in an emotional and mental crisis where we are falling apart. And then we find ourselves in desperation and then we run to the word and then we run for accountability after we make stupid decisions. And the reality is, is if that we had these things in play, connection with other people, connection with God, you know, listening to the voice of God. If we had all of this in play, we wouldn't have fall to begin with. And I always correlate that to David and Bathsheba. If he was doing what he was supposed to do, if he was, uh, you know, out at war where, where God wanted him to be, and he was doing the things that God wanted him to do, then he wouldn't have put himself in that position to look at this naked woman, right? And even beyond that, if he found himself in that position, but he had accountability and people that he could be honest with, he could explain the situation to them and they can counsel him and he could begin to understand wisdom and maybe yield to a different process, right? And these are the things that, uh, you know, we got to understand. So God brings recovery, God brings correction, and that is to course correct us. You know, I remember um, my grandmother uh, uh, telling uh, my ex-wife and I and about our drinking habit and how she was seeing it from her perspective and, and how she seen the, the end of that and the effect that it was going to happen to our lives. And I remember in my my 
cocky self-confidence and selfish selfishness inside of my addiction saying, yeah, right. This is never going to happen to me. Yeah, right. You know, and you just, you, you go with this conky self-assurance, not understanding um, that there is devastation and there is destruction ahead. And oftentimes other people can see it. Um, but the problem is, is that we are blinded and that we can't see it. And so we have to be open to receive correction. So don't faint when you are rebuked. That means, uh, first and foremost, um, you're going to be rebuked. And that means that throughout your life, you are going to do things that step outside of the boundaries. Uh, you are going to cross the line at times. You are going to uh, lose your temper. You're going to do certain things that uh, that really uh, put you in the position and the need to be rebuked. Let's just get that out there. Uh, you know, we have a an idea that we should be beyond rebuked, uh, rebuke or that we should uh, uh, not be uh, open to that sort of thing. And the reality is, is that we are going to need it. At times, we're going to need it. Now, Peter was with Jesus for a prolonged period of time, and he pulled Jesus aside about the crucifixion and said, you know what, this will never happen to you. And what did Jesus do? He rebuked him. And what does that mean? It means that he put him in his place. And the reality is, is that we need to be checked. We need to be put in our place. And for that to happen, we have to have vulnerability. We have to have open communication. And that is we're not running scared somewhere. We're not hiding. We're not avoiding community. We're not avoiding accountability, uh, but that we're open. And then that way, you know, when these situations come, we can be checked. We can be rebuked. And so don't faint. That means like uh, the literal uh, translation of the word means to melt. And that is that you're getting rebuked and you just you just melt, right? Uh, which means to basically dissolve and fall apart. And so there are going to be times where we need to be rebuked. God is going to provide that service for us. <laughs> He's going to bring his course correction. Now, the exhortation in this is that when this does take place, don't consider it some strange thing that has happened to you. Don't think that it's some abnormal thing or don't beat yourself up with a club like you deserve to be uh, hellfire and brimstone, right? Just understand and know that that is the Spirit of God beginning to course correct you. You need it. And don't begin to faint when this thing happens. You don't fall apart, melt, dissolve. Uh, I talked about this in another episode, but it, but it, it bears truth here too. And I, and I don't mind reminding you of stuff. And that is that God, um, when he comes with his correction, it is not to steal our courage away. It is not to make us discouraged. Now, when he brings the course correction, we can see it from that frame of mind and we can allow that uh, story to play out. But the reality is, is that he wants to build us up and he wants to give us courage. And so it's all about the perspective that we have with his correction. Now, if we view it as uh, uh, grateful and say, you know, I'm really thankful that I'm that he wouldn't allow me to go off the cliff, uh, you know, go off the cliff inside of my marriage, go off the cliff inside of my finances, go off the cliff inside of my spiritual life and et cetera. You get it. 
that God wouldn't allow me to go off the cliff and I'm grateful for it. And that is the perspective that we need to have. Not that, oh, you know, he doesn't love me or he's he's so unsatisfied with me or or he's so demanding and all of these different things. So to rebuke just simply means to tell you your fault. And that is that you are making a mistake and that you're going in the wrong direction. Um, just recently, we had a famous preacher from New York who um, was removed from his position and his job as a, a pastor was taken from him. And it was taken from him due to immorality. And that is uh, his uh, moral lifestyle of uh, drinking and getting drunk and cheating and doing these things. And the reality is, is that if if there was a accountability, if there was people in his life to whom he could be honest with, and there was people that could see the direction and the path that he was going, um, of course, this event and these situations would probably never have to take place. But the reality is, is that if we want that in our life, we're going to have to set that up. And that is we're going to have to uh, be vulnerable with other people. We're going to have to be open to correction and instruction from other people. And that way we can live the best possible life that uh, that we can possibly live. So to tell uh, a fault, Hebrews uh, 12, 6 says this, For whom the Lord loves, he, chast- he chastises, and scourges every son whom he receives. So every son. We know this, that, uh, that we are children of God and that what love the Father has bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. And so that's who we are. And that's who he is, our Father. And so every single son that comes to him, that is open to him, He becomes their tutor. He becomes their coach. He becomes the one who educates. He becomes the one who trains. He becomes the one who nurtures, instructs, and corrects. What do we become? We become the the pupil. We become the one who is listening, the learner. We become basically the disciple. And it's important that we understand God's role and understand our role and be open to instruction that you might know wisdom and know instruction. Man, that is powerful. So we need to uh, really have this manifest inside of our frame. And that is there might be areas inside of our marriage where we're going off the path. And that is we're allowing things into the marriage that don't belong, or we're manifesting uh, anger and resentments that are eroding the relationship, and we're causing and allowing different things to take place. And we need to ask ourselves, you know, what would God say about this situation? Would he bring his correction? In our spiritual lives, are we getting lackadaisical? Are we getting lukewarm? Are we not uh, feeding our soul? Are we not connecting with God? And ask ourselves, do we need to be course corrected inside of this area? In any area of our life, are we headed towards uh, deterioration and some sort of ruin? You look at your financial life. Have you um, put money away? Are you living below your means? 
Do you have a, a stockpile? Are you prepared for, for things that are going to take place in the world? And, and really begin to ask yourself those questions and where can I course correct? This is where it really uh, leads to application. So God provides discipline to every single son he receives. And because you are a son, he's going to bring you discipline. Now, I think discipline is something that we lack. And I think a lot of us have the desire to uh, have the best life and, and to walk with God and do all these different things. I think we have good intentions. Uh, I think motivation lacks at times, uh, but I think discipline is what is severely lacking. And so because, you know, God is an assertive father, and that is that he has desires and he has a will, he has boundaries and he has these things. And so he's going to assertively bring those into your life. Now, not as a dictator, Father, as we talked about in previous episodes, but as an assertive father. And there is definitely a difference. Um, assertive father still has guidelines, still has boundaries, still has expectations, still brings discipline, but he does it in a manner that is not uh, domineering and controlling. He assertively disciplines. Now, it's our response uh, to respond to that. Now, during this discipline, he still brings the, the nurturing uh, nature uh, to build and encourage us uh, uh, that we walk on the path that he has for us. Listen to this. If you had a friend who could see into the future, uh, past, present, future, and knows what's ahead, wouldn't you listen to that friend and begin to heed his, his advice? And this is the reality of what we have inside of our Father. He is all-knowing, knows past, present, and future. Not only that, He is all-powerful, and He will equip us with the ability to face those challenges. But having that mindset and understanding that, um, that He really knows. He really knows. And begin to trust you know, inside of that wisdom. That's powerful. So Hebrews 12, 7 if you endure chastening, God deals with you as sons. For what son whom the father chastises not? And so what this is talking about is enduring correction. And that is that you take it patiently and that you be willing to undergo the process. Now, here's the reality of things is that people want uh, progress without undergoing the process. And that is that they want the end result. They want the maturity level of, you know, doing all these great things for God and amazing ministry and all this different stuff, not understanding that it comes through the process. There is a process to get there. And we're looking for this uh, man of God that is powerful. I don't know about you, but, you know, I want to be uh, someone who walks in their integrity, who is powerful and has this connection with God and all of these different things and have an amazing ministry that's extremely successful and, and you know, all of those things. Not understanding that the formation of my character has to do with undergoing and being open to receiving correction. 
And it doesn't matter if I had everything go for me, if I had, you know, the amazing financial prosperity, if I begin to rock it inside my body and become 100%, that I become the best I could be at my age. It doesn't matter if I have, you know, all this amazing marriage and all of these different things. If I am unwilling to be open to the Spirit of God, all those things are just going to fill me with a elated sense of conceit and self-worth and pride. And it's going to lead to my destruction anyhow. And so it's really important to get this truth down first, and that is that I am going to be open and that I'm going to receive what God has for me. So I'm going to wrap it up with this thought, our frame, family, faith, fitness, and finance. Am I being open? Am I willing to receive um, the voice of the Spirit of God? Am I willing to be open to the correction that He has for me? Am I willing to course correct inside of the areas that are headed towards this deterioration and a form of destruction? Am I willing to be open to what he says and yield to the process? Am I willing to undergo and to patiently endure the path that God has for me to begin to build my character? Character is important. I'll see you tomorrow. Peace.